and gentlemen, I am honored to introduce the first sponsored Future of Advertising podcast, brought to you by... long last reveal that our new sponsor is the amazing School of Communication Arts and this podcast is all about it. To be honest I can't think of a better sponsor. The podcast series talks about the future of advertising and the school is educating the very people who are at the heart of that future so it's pretty perfect. So in this episode I'll be talking to Paul Brazier, the Executive Creative Director of AMV BBDO and one of the main sponsors of the school. But first up We've got an interview with the school's founder, visionary and dean, the amazingly inspiring Mark Lewis. The sponsorship idea arose about a month ago when Mark and I went out for coffee to discuss this year's curriculum. Mark came up with this ridiculous idea that made me feel totally uncomfortable, so naturally I agreed. But he's a better man to tell you about it than I am. So without any more dilly-dallying, here's the man himself, our sponsor, Mark Lewis. It's bizarrely a strange sunny day in London. I'm sitting in the park with Mark Lewis, who's the Dean of the School of Communication Arts. And uh, Mark, could you give a little bit of an introduction to, to who you are and what you do? Okay. Yeah, like you say, I'm the Dean at the School of Communication Arts, which means that um, I take responsibility for the um, care of my students and the, the journey that they, that they have learning, what they need to learn. Um, I interact with the agencies that are involved in running the school with me um, as sponsors and as mentors um, and with the awarding body who regulate what we do um, and the sector skills council um, who support what we do. So my role is to work with agencies and to work with the um, regulatory bodies and then also most of the time to be with the students. So why did you start the school in the first place? So that's a story, really, is I went to this school about 20 years ago, um, and if it wasn't for the school, I wouldn't want to think about where I would be now. I I was um, at the school in 1993, um, which was the very last year that the school ran. Um, I was its last scholarship boy. I won my scholarship through the Guardian newspaper. And the school at the time was the world's advertising school. It was run by a man called John Gillard. Um, And John opened my eyes and his mentors that were involved in the school with him opened my eyes and and gave me a direction Um, and I've had a beautiful career really from the moment I graduated from John's school. When John opened his school um, he had Parkinson's disease um, and he continued to get ill as he ran the school Um, and I was his last student because he got very ill and he had to retire as my cohort left Um, and he died in 2000. When he retired, the school closed because the industry was supporting John, the visionary, not John's vision. Um, And I was talking to Sir John Hegarty, who was also taught by the same man as I, John Gillard, um, and I was talking to Rory Sutherland about my journey and about my experience about four years ago now. Um, And both Rory and Sir John Hegarty uh, both gave me the advice, support, encouragement um, to take the lead in helping to reopen John Gillard's School of Communication Arts. So you've just finished the 
the first the first intake have just graduated yeah. a few months ago and they've they've hit the industry. Yeah. Um, so um, how do you think they did? Oh wow, I'm so proud. Um, I think that we've done phenomenal work. When I'm I'm saying we, I'm talking about 450 mentors from the ad industry who volunteer their time and their knowledge either by coming into school once a week, once a month, once a year, whatever they can afford to give, um, and spending time with my students. Um, they can be very proud. The sponsors can be very proud. The students can definitely be very proud. Um, we had 20 students last year, 17 wanted to be creatives, three chose to start a business. The 17 that wanted to be creatives at their end of year show, they showed their work to about 35 agencies came and saw their books. Um, those 17 students got just over 100 work offers. Some have now turned their work placements into jobs. At uh, the Talent Businesses Cream 20 Awards, where Cream choose the best 20 ad grads from around the world, um, we had four teams represented out of the 20. And I'm told that there was no other school in the UK with more than one represented so great year it was only our first year um, I'm a technology boy so I'm used to you know the first the first is a just a proof of concept it's just a beta um, and this was a beta that we were looking to see what mistakes we could make um, and I think we've collected just over a hundred mistakes and yet the students did well um, did very well um, and so massive hopes that we can better that this year and, um, and I'm sure we will so what have you learned? What's changing this year? Well, the first thing I learned is how I misjudged the attitudes, behaviours, the mindset, the readiness, the mindfulness of the generation coming through versus our generation. Um, uh, dear listener, for the benefit, um, both Dave and I are bald or balding. Um, we're... <laughs> I'm, I'm significantly ahead of you there. Yeah, but um, I'm catching up very, very fast. So we're both, we're both um, just about the right side of 40, but only just, we're clinging on. Um, and so we belong to a generation that has its own traits, behaviours, um, and um, this new generation have different ones, and, and um, I, I underestimated how much energy would be required to... Uh, to address that and to get people to be at the, the level of attitude behaviour that the agencies would expect. And that was a very big learning for me. Um, the amount of energy we put between, I'm going to say, the value of the idea and the value of the execution, I think I misjudged that slightly last year. Um, so at the school, we're, we are, we were, and we will always be believers that the idea is more important than the execution. And as much as uh, ideas are everything, um, and it's a lot harder to have a great idea than to find great execution. Um, and it's a lot harder to teach idea than execution. Uh, but execution comes over time. Craft is something that we learn over the years. Um, and our, as our eyes get better and our hands get better, we either get better at, at spotting people to collaborate with us on our ideas to craft them up, um, or our hands get better at executing the craft. Um, at the school last year, I think we put about 80% of... of creative energy into idea and about 20% into execution. I think this year it will be closer to sort of 70, 30. Um, so that will be a, a bit of a difference. Um, and a whole lot of other differences, but I would say behavior um, and the investment of energy and, and where we put that energy will be, will be different this year. So how many mentors do you say you have at the school? Right now we have about 450 um, and they come from all over the creative domain. So 
I'm going to say about a third are from advertising, um, but we have rock stars and actors and script writers and architects, um, all sorts of creative people. Um, and that's part of the, um, the learning journey is, 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 is we believe that uh, our creatives need to spend time with other creatives, not just from the advertising industry, but we need, we need diversity in every sense in the ad industry. We need diversity in ethnicity and in age and gender um, and craft backgrounds. Um, and it's that diversity that makes the, uh, the advertising industry so compelling and interesting and relevant. Um, and so we try and mirror that by bringing a diverse spectrum of mentors into the school. And uh, who, who's the best mentor? You. Oh, correct answer. Who's the best mentor? <laughs> um, apart from Dave, and, and um, it's worth saying that, that we take data very, very seriously. So we, um, um, we ask every student anonymously to fill out a student survey twice a term, halfway through the term, and at the end of each term. And we ask every mentor to complete a survey, not anonymously, um, every first visit and every third visit thereafter. And one of the questions that we ask the students is, which mentors work with you? Uh, which mentors inspired you or did you connect with? And which mentors uh, did you not connect with? And we ask that for a couple of reasons. One is, um, we want to try and find connections between students and mentors. And we want to try and encourage those relationships to exist after the student leaves the school. Um, so the ideal scenario is that we can try and find long-term relationships um, that will benefit the student after they've left our charge um, through, the char through the care of, of our mentor network. Um, and also the second reason we ask that question is because, you know, sometimes there will be people that may, for good reasons, want to be a mentor, um, but just may not, uh, may, it may not be working, the chemistry may not be there with the learners, and, and therefore we would rather not waste their time or the students' time and therefore perhaps not invite them in quite so often. So the, the surveys are really important. Dear listener, um, one of the questions that we ask rates things on a scale of one to seven um, and your, um, uh, your podcast provider constantly scores a seven. Um, ho ho! So you, <laughs> if you are listening to this and, and thinking of becoming a mentor, Dave set the bar very, very high. He is a seven. Um, um, to be fair, though, we do have a lot of sevens. There are <laughs> there are a lot of phenomenal phenomenal mentors that, that spring to mind. Um, but if anybody hasn't seen a Dave Burst masterclass, if anybody hasn't been to a Dave Burst event, boy, are you missing out because he gives a great masterclass. A oh, wonderful piece of promotion there. I never yeah. usually get promoted in my own podcast. Um, so. Can you tell me, how's the school funded? I know we haven't got long here, okay. so, so how's the school funded? So um, we take no public funding. We are um, a social enterprise. Um, we are co-owned by the advertising industry, and we have two key revenue streams. The first revenue stream is some of our students pay, uh, and we are an expensive school in relative terms at the moment. So the course lasts for 18 months um, and we charge just under £10,000. This year, if you compare that to university fees, that's expensive. Next year, it's cheap. Um, at the moment, about one in three of our students are on a scholarship and our ambition is that 50% should be on a scholarship. Uh, and those scholarships are industry funded. So we have two types of, of, of sponsors. We have heroes and legends. So I'll talk about that very quickly. Legends very generously give us £20,000 a year. And after five years of giving us £20,000 a year, we give them an, a bit of our investment fund, 5% of our investment fund. I might talk about that separately if you ask me about the investment fund. Um, uh, and our legends include Abbott Mead Vicar, 
and BBH. Our heroes give us £5,000 a year, and after five years of giving us that, they get 1% of the fund. Uh, and our heroes include advertising agencies like Albion and Ogilvy, um, but also software companies like Adobe and Corel, um, and media companies like Clear Channel and Metro. Um, so a good number. Um, we need 50 heroes, and at the moment we got just under 10 heroes. So um, the school's losing a lot of money at the moment, and we'll continue to lose a lot of money until we can get to the 50 sponsors, uh, the 50 hero sponsors. Um, so it, we have a choice. Either we get more sponsors, or we take public funding, um, or we have to cut back a little bit. Um, we'd prefer not to get public funding, because we're trying to deliver what the advertising industry is asking for um, and with public funding comes um, tying your hands a little bit and um, answering to the needs of, of or the demands that, that come with public funding um, and we'd much rather serve the advertising industry than targets that are set by further education or higher education um, quangos. Yeah. So what is it that our listeners need to do? at the moment? They need to make one of two choices. Um, if they have a checkbook um, that they are in control of, one of their choices is to become a sponsor. The good news is if you invest £5,000 a year um, and your company is making a profit, it's not costing you £5,000 because it's, there's a lot of tax deduction because it's training, it's education. Um, so £5,000 doesn't cost £5,000. And that will help us fund scholarships. Um, so that's the first choice, is, um, is do good. Be part of the crowd that do good and um, invest in diversity and quality of education. If you don't hold a checkbook or um, it's not the right time for your agency to support us as a hero or a legend, um, then give us your time. Um, everybody that works in this industry is in this industry because they were given a chance, because they were... Um, a door was opened for them by somebody. That's how this industry works. Um, and we therefore have a responsibility to put something back um, and to open doors for other people. And one of the best ways to open that door is to inspire um, and where we can to teach. Um, and what we have in the school, we don't have a classroom, we have a studio. And every day we try and bring six mentors into the studio um, from very different backgrounds, but that are relevant for what we're doing in the studio on that day sign up to be a mentor if you're listening to this uh, and you have 20 holiday days a year and you're only taking 14 of them give us one of those holiday days if you have already used up your holiday days but you work for an organization that claims to like people um, that claims to have a social conscience then um, ask people within your agency whether it would be okay for you to leave your agency for one day a year and come into the studio to inspire learners to inspire students part of the feedback we get from this there are different types of feedback so one piece of feedback we get is from the CIPD and um, the Chartered Institute of Professional Development and what we learn here is that people who teach um, um, one day a year, just one day a year, in an environment like ours, um, benefit in a number of ways. One is they feel better about what they do. Um, they feel more proud about their industry. Um, and with that comes a reduction in stress. For the organisation, that means less churn or less sick days. Um, so it sounds odd, but you're 
organisation volunteering for you to not be in the office one day a year, but to be in the studio with us one day a year, is healthy for your organisation. Um, what our mentors tell us on that scale of one to seven, where um, for the mentor question, we ask our mentors after they've been in, how do you rate the use of your time coming into the school? Where one is, it's the worst use of my time possible, and seven is, it's the best use of my time possible. Um, the most common answer that, that mentors give us is six. Now, our mentors are executive creative directors, pop stars, actors, script writers, typographers, all sorts, busy people. Um, and they say that this is just about the most important thing they can do with their time. And then we ask them why. Why is this the most important thing you can do with your time? And their response is they come away energized, refreshed, inspired, they've learned something, they've connected with other mentors, projects often um, are born in the studio between mentors, TV series have been born in the studio between mentors, because we bring six in every day and the chances are mentors are meeting other mentors for the first time, great stuff happens. Um, uh, and so Ideally, dear listener, you'll give us both. Ideally, you'll give us sponsorship as a hero, uh, or legend, fantastic, but certainly hero. Um, and if you can't do that, then sign up on our website as a mentor and give us at least one day a year of your time um, and become um, an inspirational thought leader to the next generation of talent. So we've done a bit of a deal and now the School of Communication Arts sponsors the podcast, which you'll be able to see more on the futureofadvertising.info site. Uh, you'll be able to see a nice uh, SCA logo up there and uh, a little bit of information on one of the pages that uh, talks about what we're doing. So um, would you, um, after you've, after you've uh, lit up your, your cigarette there... <laughs> um, would you be able to uh, tell us uh, or tell the listeners here about the deal, what it is we're doing. Yeah, it's really simple. Um, I imagine that people listening to this podcast, just like me, are addicted to this podcast. Uh, and you know, we stare at iTunes in anticipation of the next episode. <laughs> uh, we send um, we send the the, the bulls burst uh, tweets and emails saying, "Where the heck is the next episode? Why are you?" being so lazy and not producing it um, and stuff like this Sorry. Um, uh, and it's it's something that I mean I the very minute that podcast comes out I'm thinking about when am I next on a bus so that I can listen to it so you know the podcast it's something that we all look forward to hearing and I'm sure I'm not speaking just for me I'm sure I'm speaking to you know the millions that are out there Dave millions that are out there millions that are listening to this and, and so um, what I proposed, and, and you, um, you would, I don't know whether you were drunk at the time, but you accepted <laughs> it, was, was a, um, a very blatant threat to your listener, to your audience, which is that we, we won't put any more of these out, you won't put any more of these out um, until we get a sponsor. And every time we get a new sponsor sponsoring a scholarship at the school, we'll celebrate that sponsorship um, by putting out another podcast and maybe in that podcast we'll mention who that new agency is that's sponsoring a scholarship um, and maybe there'll be other opportunities in and around the school for that too um, but the, the idea is very very simple this is the last episode of the podcast if the ad industry is as stingy uh, 
as some people say it might be. Mm -hmm. If, however, it is as generous as other people say it is, then there will be 15 episodes between now and the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And Dave will be putting out his imaginary hair producing the next episode and the next episode and the next episode. Now, we want 15 new sponsors between now and the end of the year. We need 15 sponsors between now and the end of the year um, for us to be able to fulfil our commitment in scholarship places. So we need 15 agencies, 15 companies, to put their hand in their pocket, put out £5,000 that won't really cost them £5,000 and help fund scholarship places. And if they do that, there'll be 15 episodes this year. Simples. And uh, also, um, by sponsoring the school uh, and therefore we release a podcast, uh, as an agency you can be in that podcast. Wow. So um, I will come along if you've got something interesting to say. We can put you in the podcast. Um, if you don't, we can put someone else in. It's up to you, but the podcast will be dedicated to you, uh, to your agency. It's also worth saying that our school is a church. Um, our, we, um, we run the school out of a, an old Methodist church next door to DNAD. Um, and on Sundays, it's a practicing church. Um, and it, when you sponsor the school, not only will you be mentioned in Dave's podcast, but I will... Um, work out what hymns are being sung in church that Sunday um, uh, and I will edit the words so that your agency or your clients um, appear in the hymns that the congregation sing. Very nice. Yeah. I like that one. And, and, and we'll, we'll etch your name on the moon. Mm. <laughs> so, Mark, you need to head off now, uh, do a, a brief for the students. So, thank you very much That's for, good. first of all, for for talking and second for sponsoring the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Wonderful. Bye. So we'd like you to get involved too. There are a couple of ways. Firstly, you can become a mentor. That involves you dropping into the school as often or as rarely as you like to share your knowledge and experience with the students. Don't worry, it's not about getting up and lecturing. It's more about talking one-to-one -one, and I'm sure all the other mentors will agree that it's massively rewarding. And secondly, and most importantly, if your agency isn't already a sponsor, tell them that they should be. It only costs five grand, and actually it's a lot less than that thanks to tax benefits, and it makes a big difference to the industry. If your agency is good enough to sponsor the school, I'll dedicate a podcast to them. And if they wish, they can appear in the podcast too. And if they're not good enough to sponsor the school, you have my full permission to tell the board of directors that they're a bunch of tight arse horse who can well go and there with a rusty and breathe. So if no agencies are good enough to sponsor the school, you won't be hearing from me for a while. But... If we get the 15 sponsors we're looking for before the end of the year, I'll be ridiculously busy and you'll be sick fed up of hearing my voice. So before you tire of my Glaswegian drawl just now, we'll, uh, we'll move on to our second interview, which is with AMV's Executive Creative Director, Paul Brazier. I went to see him at his office in Marleybone, bearing a package of chocolate brownies from my daughter. So we sat in his lovely office that's crammed with every advertising award under the sun and chatted about his career and why he decided to sponsor the school. I'm sitting in AMV's lovely offices here with their executive creative director, Paul Brazier. Hi, Paul. 
Hi, uh, I'm yeah, Paul Brazier from uh, ECD of uh, Abbott Mead Vickers, BBDO, and uh, nice to be here. <laughs> well, in your own office. In office, as usual. I celebrated my uh, 20 year anniversary uh, last week, so uh, yeah, no surprises that I'm here. <laughs> so, do you get a carriage clock at some point? Actually, I do get to choose um, a present. I've got to decide what it is. I've eliminated a, uh, a clock. So, uh, yeah, I didn't think I'd go for a, um, an old-timer for an old-timer. So, uh, uh, yeah, I've got to decide what to get. I'm not sure I'm not sure what to go for. I was thinking of a chess set or something. Or not one of the crappy new iPhones? No, I probably won't go for one of the <laughs> new iPhones. No, I've heard they're... Uh, it may not be too good, I don't know. <laughs> so you're involved with the School of Communication Arts here. Um, and could you tell me about your involvement and about uh, AMV's involvement as well with the school? Yeah, I think we... Uh, um, well, I was very interested uh, in, in this going, going back now. It's, it's kind of fascinating now to see how established this, the um, School of Communication Arts has become. Uh, and already we kind of take it for granted. But I remember seeing Mark, uh, Mark Lewis, a few um, years back, and he was talking about this idea. Uh, came in typically looking really, really wacky and creative. Um, um, so if you know Mark, you'll know exactly what I mean. Uh, hair all over the place, and uh, but um, yeah, but gave a very um, astute business plan um, about the whole thing so it seemed very interesting from from that point of view and uh, very very thorough very well thought through right from those early stages so as soon as Mark started talking about it I knew I wanted to help him and I think back then uh, what would have the best way I could help him um, would was um, to be uh, a mentor, I basically said, you know, well, I'll help. Tell me, just tell me what I need to do. So it would be fantastic if you could be a mentor. So okay, uh, that's a given. I'll do that when, uh, gladly. And t- just tell me when you need me. Um, um, it, but he also, uh, having explained that uh, business proposition, he said he, uh, at that point they were looking for, um, um, you know, sponsors and um, donations. And at that point, um, that's when he said, actually, £30,000 would be quite helpful. <laughs> so, OK, then. So, uh, but actually, um, I had to think about that. And and um, and pretty quickly, actually, uh, we agreed. Well, I think, actually, in that meeting, we agreed that, uh, you know, I'd like to support that in that way and, and donate £30,000. And then the nice thing, you know, he said that... Um, for that, I or uh, AMV becomes a, uh, a legend. So it depends how you look at it. It's fantastic to donate £30,000 to the School of Communications Arts. It's also, uh, in some ways, relatively uh, cheap way of becoming a legend. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide to get involved in the first place? What was the thing that really turned you on to it? I've always been interested in uh, the education side and the whole of creativity, actually, not just advertising. I think it starts from being invited to schools to uh, to talk to uh, um, kids about um, developing a, a career within uh, creativity. And um, so anything that helps everyone... Uh, within advertising, within you know the area I work, I, I always want to try and help and support 
as much as possible. Everything that Mark said, I, li I liked really the spirit of what Mark was doing because and what the School of Communication Arts would stand for because he wasn't taking anything for granted. It was kind of challenging everything and also really having to pull its weight to to um, to stand still. So I knew to, to, to actually, sorry, pull its weight to 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 really make this happen and make it real. It couldn't afford and wouldn't survive if it was just talking a good game. It really had to deliver on uh, what, uh, you know, and everything that Mark had explained. So um, it's, um, uh, yeah, right right back from then, I, I just thought we, we should try and support it. And it, and it, there's just a number of things that, I, th I thought were really um, interesting in the fact that you know um, the industry can even help design the curriculum and uh, or contribute to that actual award. Sorry, my phone's going off in the background. <laughs> and um, the UFO there. with the UFO, or is that? Well, my my daughter set it, and she said, "I said, well, she said, I've set I've set this phone, and I said, what, what you know, what have you set it to?" She said, "It's Skiffy." She's obviously hasn't heard of um, sci-fi, so <laughs> so I know I call it Skiffy. Um, I'll have to we'll have to edit in a little bit of uh, the sound there for you to appreciate. <laughs> we'll leave that pause there to edit it in. Um, so, um, um, there's there's lots of things going going for this. You know, there's. I, I mean, I love the fact that it challenged uh, a number of things. W one in particular was that one thing in particular was that it it tried to get a, a three years worth of education into one one year or eighteen months. But what that does, um, it, it fast tracks the. the the students into the business and, and, and actually in some ways even the speed you've got to work at is really does relate to what we have to do and you have to get used to within the industry so the quicker you get to do that the better but I really like the very simple maths behind it that simply if students have spent half the time they've got half the amount of loan at the end of it and I love that so there's a massive benefit there they'll be up to speed um, they'll know how to work quickly enough and they'll have a massive benefit uh, of not having um, a huge loan. Mm. Uh, and then, in theory, they'll be ho hopefully able to get into full-time employment even quicker. So there's a massive financial benefit for the students as well. Mm. And what do you get out of it, or what does the, the agency get out of this relationship you have? Well, I, I suppose the, the, what we get out of it um, and what I get out of it is that it satisfies a, a need for me to uh, to try and help people and it and it and it really is I'm kind of programmed to do that so I really want and have to do that um, and so it does satisfy a um, you know that kind of um, um, goal to do that so it's it's nice it's nice to put something back but that feels like an ego thing I, I just think it, I think if you are of, of that type and there's a lot of creatives that are and I think there's a lot of creatives who have reached a certain point in their career they really want to uh, put some uh, put something back but I think there's a certain amount of creatives that not only want to put something back they actually want to change things you know so you do it with a, the same hunger that you um that you put into your work in the first place and so you know it's fantastic that the school of communications arts is there to be able to, to 
to facilitate that and to be able to really put something back in but and, and also to see it really uh, you know c- coming through you know actually working um so that's fantastic to see that and um and i think it's also good to i think the the more you you know you kind of um talk to people and you always get something back anyway in, you know it's always a two-way process um so you get feedback um you get challenged um you certainly have to keep up to speed um you know it's um you know i'll be coming up to um yeah 50 years old uh, next year so um i've had to learn technology these um these you know this this generation that we're educating um that's second nature to them mm. and um so so it's fascinating how we you know we can we, we to some extent we've all got blind spots and we all try and teach each other so the more the quicker we can just tell them all of our tricks the better then then they'll um, they'll obviously pick up quite a few of their own and the way they work and then they'll Hopefully they'll pass that on um, after ten years or so, when they've been working in the business. So I think that's that's what you hope that consistency, that kind of legacy, you know. Ev- hopefully everyone put, puts that that amount of effort back in mm. for the generations to come. So the schools is looking for some more sponsors, um, not just at the legend level, but uh, there's a, a sort of lower level which is about five grand. Um, what would you say to other agencies? What would they get out of it? Why should they actually uh, become a sponsor themselves? Well, I, I suppose I would ask people to donate um, to this, um, donate some funds to this, to, to sponsor um, School of Communication Arts. I think the figure is £5,000. You know, if you think about it, there, there's bound to be a um, tax relief on that. So it's not actually £5,000. I know we're going into difficult times, and you know, got you know, the news from uh, certainly coming over from America is that we're in for a tough time next year. So I'm not saying it's easy, but with a tax break on five grand, it can make a huge difference to um, to um, to the School of Communication Arts, and with that um, going and, and thriving, and and, ta- and hopefully taking the pressure, the day-to-day pressures off there. It'll start to look after the, the, the new people, those um, people that we need to hire, especially when we start to come out of recessions and, and make ourselves as strong as possible. And I think we can do it for the UK as well. I think the, the stronger we make the UK, the better we'll be. I mean, we're going to have to survive, um, be able to fight our corner, uh, you know, globally. And there's a lot of great creativity coming from all over the world. So I don't think it'll harm harm us or our economy if we can invest in that a little bit and all share it around just a little bit Um, I think also the same with I think that we're going to see more of vocational training and um, you know and placements and that side just getting people in the workplace I think generally going back to the old apprenticeships I think that we're going to see a lot of um, the country doing more and more of that over the next few years. So the more we can do a little bit, I think we may end up looking after the UK uh, better in the long term. So with the SEA um, preparing young people to join the industry, training them up so it's, it's, it's easier for them to get a job and that they're better prepared once they've got a job, it's certainly not the way I joined the industry. How did you get into the industry yourself? 
Okay, so the way I joined the industry, I would say it's worth getting a cup of tea now. And then, uh, uh, <laughs> so I'm not even sure it's worth cutting short. But I started off. Um, let's try to say, I started off um, in the in the Midlands, which is well known for um, kind of got steelworks. Um, Realising that um, I wasn't blessed with an academic bone in my uh, body. Um, I really struggled at school. I uh, remember from a young age, um, a teacher saying to my mom, almost if I wasn't there, was, oh, he's always got his art to fall back on. <laughs> I think what they meant there was that um, I'd probably always be able to paint a picture of someone. And um, um, I don't know, put it in a frame and put it, put it up somewhere and earn 30 quid a year or something. So, um, and I think the whole of creativity and art at school has got this kind of um, um, kind of question over it, where it, you know it feels like you, you're going to struggle to make a living for yourself. Um, so, having explored and got being a footballer out of my system, I um, thought, wow, I've got to try and find something. I stayed on at art college, uh, did a foundation course. The teachers, uh, tutors there at my uh, uh, foundation course um, had me down as being a sculptor, um, which is very nice and a, and a great compliment. And, and actually, I'd love to this day to be a sculptor, but I thought I'd end up being a poor sculptor. So I thought by then I've got to try and uh, work out how to make a living for myself. Um, and forced myself, redid my portfolio. I mean, I mean, I think the teachers thought I was nuts, and I redid my uh, portfolio over a, a holiday and um, a period, and then I went back with it. And they, they thought I'd stolen the portfolio, but I'd reinvented myself as um, in the world of um, commercial, um, commercial communications, and uh, that sounded pretty impressive back then to me. Um, and thinking, wow, I'm in this area of uh, com the commercial world. Let's see where it goes. Put my, eventually blagged my way into uh, the Wolverhampton Polytechnic. It wasn't a university back then. Um, I think they were kind of um, taken aback by this young local kid with a, a going into Wolverhampton on third choice, having blown it, gone, put down for fine art colleges and God knows what, and uh, for first choices. So somehow blagged my way into there um, then eventually at the end of my Wolverhampton course I'd explored all again I've always struggled to work out what I want to do but I had I tried illustration in my summer holiday worked through my summer holiday being an illustrator I hated that uh, or realised I wasn't good enough to do that And um, but always had this passion for all of creativity which I still have today with typography photography um, um, you know God even drifting through into ceramics textiles you name it I've always loved it and had an appreciation for, for the people that do that someone said um, you may want to be an art you know you might want to look at art directing uh, and you should try Cogent Elliot. Uh, you won't get in, but at the time they were the best agency outside of London doing all the Rolls-Royce work and, and so on. Um, so I made my way to um, Cogent Elliot and they really liked my portfolio. It's only when they said, but what are you doing here? I kind of realised what I'd done. I'd stumbled into 
what they called the studio, where at the time they, with scalpels, they would slice out all the uh, the words and and paste them down into a into a, a artwork. So I'd found myself uh, in the studio, which was totally the wrong place to be. And and but fortunately for me, and typical of me, kind of meandering through life, they 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 said, but you should be in the creative department upstairs. I went, yeah, that'd be fantastic. They said, I oh, will take you up there. So they took me upstairs. And then, best piece of luck I'd ever had, they, uh, I'd got, I had Mike, the late Mike Fox and um, various other creative uh, directors uh, of um, Cogents all looking at my portfolio. And, uh, and they actually offered me a placement. And you would think it would be um, that would be it but I turned it down because I was so set on getting a job I was adamant I was going to get a job at John England Catalogue in Worcestershire designing the catalogues and uh, they were so taken aback by this and this young lad that had turned down a placement at Cogent because no one ever got in there um, by the time I got home a few um, a few miles away uh, they'd, they'd phoned my mum <laughs> and primed my mum to uh, to to um, to accept at this placement and said, look, it isn't a guaranteed job, but this is how it works in the business. And if if he works hard and he takes on this placement, it, it could work out for him and he could stay here. So when he gets home, ask him how it went and um, try and encourage him. And that was when my mom ambushed me, and uh, I took the job at Cogens. Worked there for four years. They were very supportive and uh, taught me so so much and then I was ready for London and went to WCRS worked for WCRS for four years and as I said earlier I celebrated my 20th year at Abbott Mead Vickers last week so 28 years uh, I've been doing it so that must have been amazing 20 years ago when when David Abbott was sitting in, in your seat right now and uh, was he the one that hired you? Yeah David Abbott hired me and uh, yeah, it's gone by pretty quickly, actually. I suppose I've seen Abbott Mead Vickers change and adapt over that time. I've seen, um, you know, David founded the agency, um, and I suppose it was based, you know, founded on print back then. It was a brilliant print agency, and I remember us having to learn how to do great TV. There was a big question at the time that AMV couldn't do TV. And then eventually we did Guinness Surfer um, and so many um, ads. Um, and I think probably we focused on that challenge so much that we just kept doing great TV ads until we had the nice challenge as everyone saw us as a TV agency. <laughs> just at the point when digital was being kind of mentioned and then TV and print um, was so old-fashioned. So um, we had to then go to the next challenge of how to prove ourselves and be comfortable within um, uh, advising clients strategically on all of their communications, not just TV, print, but all of them, including digital. Fortunately, what I found is that no one meant digital. They just meant ideas that could carry across all channels, um, uh, you know, a powerful s a story that could relate to to a, a brand or, or a product. And so I think 
over the years what I've seen happen is that and the, and the encouraging thing is we'll always be challenged and I remember I would imagine people at the time were in denial of TV you know back in the 50s thinking whether we'll ever take off we'll, we'll be faced with those um, or TV advertising back then anyway so we'll, we'll always be challenged uh, with, with communications but it always comes down to words and pictures we may flex with you know how, how many um, words we use or how the the, the kind of um, visuals that we use and we, and we can make decisions based on whether it's kind of copy led or visually led um, or a blend of the two but um, um, it always comes down to words and pictures and that I find really encouraging because that will cover us from doing anything from um, a kind of interactive um, interactive digital work to actually ambient or events led work through to um, television and I, th I think probably worth saying that I think television now is slightly different to how it was back then even though I've, I've seen clients and see the power of television it's not quite the same as it was then there's usually within it a bigger idea that can unlock or be part of other a, a bigger platform so I think that's kind of slightly slightly different but essentially it comes down to words words and pictures and and particularly filmmaking and the craft of between filmmaking and the craft of posters can still get you a long way so with all these the sort of evolution of the industry you're talking about there what do you think are the exciting things right now what's the stuff that really uh, gives you a kick when you see it um, i've seen I suppose I get a kick from looking at uh, creative work from all over the world. One of the things where I get a kick from um, is that um, world first. I love seeing world firsts. And I suppose I've been lucky enough to be part of um, seeing the, the, the change of technology over the last few years. So we went from what, you know, every week it, there was a world first, whether it was a new app. Um, well, in fact, we did the first 360-degree app at AMV, so quite unusual for what people would think was a traditional agency to do to do that. You'd probably expect it to come out of LA. Um, so it's very easy to take part uh, in that stuff. And uh, but yeah, really exciting world first. I love what New Zealand do. I mean, they they ask a simple they ask a simple question: what will get it on the news? And I think that's how they get to the logic uh, behind or the simple leap of, um, say, the best job in the world, that advertising campaign. It, you know, the fact that they understood how to get it on the news stopped them from producing um, uh, a magazine campaign for, um, you know, for um, in, which should be in the, the sector of tourism. So it could have been quite an ordinary campaign, but they got that on, they got that out and about and around the world by asking the question. I, well, I think that that's how they did it. Um, of um, what we get on the news, mm. so there's there's a number of tricks we can use to to get to work out how to get our work um, ready uh, for the marketplace, and there's lots of st strategic thinking goes into it, um, lots of rigor, lots of usually lots of research, but I do love those big questions of what we'll get it on the news or what what is a world first. So you were. Um the DNAD head honcho a couple of years ago. Um, 
there's a real sort of focus on craft, of course, that the DNAD tries to go for. What was uh, what was your agenda at the time? What were you wanting to, to focus on? Well, my involvement at DNAD, I suppose it, it played two parts. Um, the, the big one for me is always education. I'm just fascinated by that and want to try and help as 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 many people as possible and also to just understand it as well um, the other part was um, figuring out the DNAD um, business angle and how it would be fit for the future um, I'm glad to say well he then went on to Sankey he's gone on to Rosie Arnold now and they're in their 50th year so they should be able to do well from that and that should create a lot of PR in itself so I think DNAD are in pretty good shape. Uh, again, that needs a lot of support, though, and, and needs a lot of support for um, um, and does particularly well. I think it is particularly good that it's British in that sense. So you can always do it, um, a, a promote Britain from that point of view. But I think um, the education thing, it, they, they do a hell of a lot for education. We, we do workshops, we do placements, and... Um, and I'm, you know, I'm always encouraged that um, we can get the school of Com- or the school of communication arts tied up or close to DNAD. Well, I mean, it is close geographically, being absolutely bang next door <laughs> down in Foxhall. Yeah, build a door through there, and uh, and it and it'll be done. Although I think I think DNAD will probably uh, move. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine they'll they'll move at some point. But um, so yeah, I think it's um, it's always for me two parts the DNAD thing. It was making sure they were fit and ready for the future, and uh, and that consistency with uh, and, and pass, you know um, linking up with one president after the other from different industries. That was fantastic in itself because I could um, um, be talking to or you know be in conversations with Simon Waterfall, who was kind of biased towards digital um gary cam who was considered uh, a designer i say i i I kind of hate pigeonholing people because i you know having known these people they have far more skills than what they're pigeonholed into so uh but yeah simon waterfall gary cam then uh, myself then i got you know could hand over to uh, sankey and his digital expertise and then we back into uh, rosie and that consistency uh, go, goes a long way. And, and if everyone can put that energy in for that period of time, it, it makes a massive amount of difference. And then, and then we keep keep an eye on and, and keep make, making sure we we get the best uh, out of it for for the education point of view. Now, to to round off, the SEA has um, has just taken in a new batch of students. And they've also just released their first lot of students out into the world. I was wondering two questions. Um, what advice would you have for the students who have just been released into the wild? And what advice would you have for the ones who have just started at the school? Well, uh, the advice I'd give, and I, and I do this kind of every day here, so I'll give you um, the, some of the same advice, which is one of the, the biggest... Um, causes of stress I think is the, the, the blank piece of paper and the, the eagerness for creatives to do something with that and to prove themselves and to, um, to, to prove their creativity and I think usually what happens there there's a, 
there's a, a, a rush of adrenaline, and and I and so I'd, I'd just get everyone to pick up, get a big piece of paper and a black magic marker, and write down what it is you think you're trying to communicate. Now this isn't easy because I tell you I catch senior creatives out on this. I can catch planners. I can catch clients out on this. It's really, really difficult to do this. Um, and sometimes it's it's not obvious what the answer is. So even though you, 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 I say I can catch them on this, it's not obvious what the answer is. That sometimes they just don't know it. You've got to really work on this thing. But if you imagine you can't create a piece of work unless you understand what you're trying to say. So I would say get a black... Uh, get the piece of paper, get a black magic marker, and write down in one sentence. And I'm going to spell this, you know, spell this out. But you're allowed to use a capital letter to begin with. One sentence, full stop. That's it. You can't put an, a bracket. You can't put a little kind of asterisk and something else at the bottom. You've got to write down what it is you can say. What you'll find with that really difficult to do, but. The really useful thing is everyone from every discipline will be able to look at that. So if an account handler looks at it, they'll know that you've understood the brief because you'll be able to hold it up and say, is that what we're trying to say? Of course, their brief will be longer, but ads don't work that way. You can't get it all on the page. So it get, it forces everyone to be decisive uh, and and to um, to really focus on what it is, one message, you, you know, the old, the old stories, you can't throw seven tennis balls at people and expect them to catch them, you've got to throw one. So find out what it is you're trying to say. Um, I'll tell you what you can spend, I'd say just slow down, don't think, God, we've got to write it down in an hour, you can spend days making that, and it's important, because unless you get that right, you won't crack your piece of work. So write down what it is in theory and then, and then make sure the people around you, whether it's a tutor, whether it's um, some colleagues, but you should be able to hold that piece of paper up and people should be able to nod. Even if they think it's obvious, they'll be able to nod and assure you that you are working on the right piece of, uh, on, the, on the right thought. I definitely do that. Never, never take it for granted. And just get into the habit of doing that get into the habit so much that you do it instinctively and you you kind of have you you never have to get the 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 piece of paper again but it takes several years before you you become used to having that piece of paper and that statement logged in your head so write it down pin it up and keep coming back to it the other thing is you'll be able to judge your work against it because if your work is right you'll be able to look at that piece of paper and judge it against it and it should have always answered that question. If it doesn't, you've probably gone off brief. Um, the, the piece of paper will also be useful because if you use 13, um, 13 words in that sentence, you can usually boil it down to three or four and you've got an end line. And that's how end lines come about. So it's a very useful thing to do. So I'd try and do that, and or, or I wouldn't. I'd say definitely do that. And the other thing is, um, I'd just make sure and you um, appreciate the amount of time it takes to become um, and, and comfortable at doing uh, advertising. Hopefully, you'll all have 30-year careers. And again, I see this rush of adrenaline to crack it in a year, to get jobs and to try and be senior as quick as possible. If if you're if you're good, you can take your time and make sure you're doing 
the, the best work you possibly can at that time and by nature as time goes by you'll become one of the top creatives and uh, so I'd remember to, that you're going to be in it for 30 years there isn't any prize for burning out after four or five or arguing so much where you've driven your partner nuts so you can't even work together anymore the, the best teams stick together and they're there for a long time so you've got to work out how to it, 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 almost like fitness you've got to work out how to be relentless but get your breathing get you get your um, uh, your breather in actually while you're on the run and that takes a bit of time you've got to somehow conserve energy in an industry that's pretty relentless so again don't take that for granted you've just got to learn how to do that um, and, and give yourself um, and your partner some time and patience to get there and and so I'd, I'd say start thinking long term look at what you're achieving over a year rather than a week make sure you look at yourselves as a brand you know and, and, and what are you doing what are you achieving where are you trying to get to so you are a brand in yourselves make sure you're advertising yourselves in, in that way or you're um, whenever you're talking to people in that way be clear that people people are, are actually summing you up not just your work they're summing you up so they want to know that if they hire you you'll be reliable um, that you'll come up with some really interesting ideas that you're not just a flash in the pan you can keep doing it um, so you need that stamina I suppose overall um, I mean, that perseverance furthers is what I say there, is the, uh, is the way of summing that up, perseverance furthers. And um, so, yeah, keep that stamina going uh, so you can keep it going long term. That's fantastic, Paul. Thank you. There's so much more I want to ask you, but I know I've already kept you late for a meeting. So I'll say thank you very much and goodbye. Yeah, pleasure. Um, good luck, everyone. And um, yeah, see you all soon, hopefully. Bye then. Lovely, lovely man. I wanted to carry on chatting to him for a lot longer than I did, but I was already keeping him late for a meeting, which uh, I was always late for my meetings. So that's all right, isn't it? That's what a creative director does. So that's the first of our sponsored podcasts, and maybe the last if the industry doesn't stick its hand in its pocket. Now it's over to you. Pass a link to this podcast to your company directors. Make sure they listen to it. Tell them that the agency can get an awesome podcast dedicated just to them. That's exciting, huh? Hit them with links to the School of Communication Arts. The, there's a link on the screen of your eye thing right now, if you tap on that. So, on the next podcast, if there is one, there will be an interview with our first new sponsor, as well as a chat with Amberish Mitra, the CEO of Blipper. And, as always, you can reach me at podcast at getadditive.com I do respond to everyone, I promise, uh, all one of you, and feel free to name and shame your agency if they refuse to get involved. But for now, go and hunt down your boss and convince them to sponsor the school. I kiss you in both cheeks. Ciao, Bella. <laughs>